said, I am just so thankful for all that God is doing in the church. All that he's doing in the church. I'm going to put my table back while you guys go back to your seat. <clears throat> and I apologize if I have to, like, kind of pause for a second. I've been dealing with seasonal allergies, and so I'm, I'm trying to, like, fight through it as I preach. It's not as bad as when I lost my voice, like, almost a year ago or something, when I got up here and I was, I was preaching like this the whole time. Uh, it wasn't, it's not as bad as that, but it's, it's, it's all right. So, but hey, I am so thankful for all that we get to celebrate. There's so much that we get to celebrate uh, this morning. Before we jump in, I just wanted to kind of share some things. I know that we're going through and we're going to be celebrating volunteer stuff, but I just wanted to share with the congregation uh, some, some things that we've seen as a church over the last year, uh, numbers that we've seen. And we're not a church that celebrates numbers. It's not about the numbers. Again, it's about seeing God's faithfulness, okay? And so we, we can see God's faithfulness through what he's doing, but I just wanted to kind of share with you guys some of the things that we're seeing, some, some updates about the church. And so I just wanted to let you guys know, hey, we have 19 people that are discipling other people. 19 men and women in this church that are discipling other people in this church. And that's a huge thing because like I've told you guys before, discipleship, it's not normal. You don't see it everywhere. You don't, you don't see it. I couldn't tell you how many conversations that I have uh, each and every week where people are like, how do you guys do that? How do you guys handle that? I was at a church planters lunch one, one time and they, we were talking about meeting every single week. Corey was there, uh, Buddy was there, and they were like, how are you guys going to meet every week? How do you guys handle that? And I was like, it's just what we do. Like, it's just, we just love Jesus, and we love spending time with people, and we really, really like Bella Latte. Like, that's just, that's just what we do. So it's, it's an amazing thing because 19 men and women that are constantly every single week or every other week pouring into other men and women in this church and building them up and establishing this in the church, man, that is something to celebrate. So we need to celebrate that as a church. We need to celebrate that. The other thing that I want to celebrate, too, is, hey, we have 11 people that lead small groups. We have 11 people in the church that every single week open up their home to this church to be able to come in and spend, time, spend a little bit of time in Scripture, but are focused on building community. They're focused on building community in this church. And so that's something that we need to celebrate, too, guys. Like, that is, that is a huge thing because it's not, it's not normal. Did I turn my mic back on? Okay, yeah, okay, sorry. It's not normal. It's not normal. Tyler, we don't have to put this in the, in the thing. So. Uh, and then the other thing that I want to celebrate, what, we're really, what I really want to celebrate, what I, what I really want to drive home is, hey, we have 37 men and women that are investing in the church, this church every single Sunday. That they're, celeb- they're, they're spending time. They're giving up their time, their comfort, maybe spending time in kids, holding a baby or changing a diaper or, or, or playing with tra- uh, trains. Uh, maybe with Bear and Titus, like they're playing with the trains, or maybe they're, maybe they're hanging out with Addie, uh, coloring stuff, or playing games with her, and walking through lessons with her, like you're, you're sacrificing time and kids, and like that's a huge thing, or maybe, maybe it's, it's making coffee, like Sarah does that every single week, like making coffee for the church, and that's something to celebrate, like it's the small things, it's 37 people giving up that time, sacrificing that time. That's, that's what we're talking about. Whenever I talk about sacrifice at the end of service, I'm not just talking about this bucket that's right here. I'm talking about the time on a Sunday that you sacrifice and that you're giving. That's the same thing for small group facilitators. You're sacrificing that time. You're sacrificing that time for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. And it's the same thing for disciples. You're sacrificing that time, and that's something as a church that we should celebrate, that we as a church sacrifice time. And so I, I want to celebrate that, guys. Like, I just, I want you to feel that. That is not normal. It's not normal. And I, it is God's faithfulness working in the church. It's God's faithfulness working in the church. And so moving into the service now, 
We've been, in, we've been in a series in Deuteronomy over the last several weeks where we have been uh, focusing on this idea, uh, focusing on this idea of Israel hearing and responding to the Lord, hearing and responding to the call to obedience. And that call to obedience, again, it is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And what we've seen is that means to love the Lord with all that you have all that you have, all of yourself, all that you possess, all that you can. It doesn't mean that you should exhaust yourself and never rest, because resting is a part of living in obedience. But it does mean that, hey, God, if I have the time, I'm going to get coffee with this person, because I know you love this person, and so I want to love them too. Discipleship. Or, hey, God, I want to get dinner with this couple, because I see that they're struggling, or I see they're going through something, I just want to spend time and love them. Okay? Or, hey, I want to lead this group. I want to invite these people into my home to go through Scripture and maybe play some games after, small groups. Or, hey, God, I, I, I want to invest some time in kids. Like, it's, it's hearing and responding to the call to obedience. It's, it's sacrificing. It's listening. We've been going through that in Deuteronomy. And so it's so crazy. Like, as I was preparing for this message this week, I was reflecting on my time uh, working at, at a children's center. Uh, I don't know how many of you know, but I used to work at a children's center. Loved it. Started working at a children's center in 2015 uh, after towards the end of my freshman year in college. Um, never thought, never thought I would work with kids. Like, I was a huge introvert uh, when I was in high school. And so, like, I never wanted to work with kids, never wanted to be around kids. Like, just wasn't my thing. And so, I had a friend that I went to high school with. We went to college together. Uh, and she started working there. And so, she said there was an open position. She said, Are you planning on staying in Spartanburg? I was like, Sure. Yeah, I guess, like, whatever, Spartanburg's all right, I guess. I wasn't really convinced on staying in Spartanburg yet, but I wanted to, uh, and so I started working at the summer camp. And so I worked with teenagers uh, one summer, and then I worked with second graders one summer, and then I worked with teenagers again for the last three years. Uh, And let me tell you something. I love hanging out with teenagers because they have so much energy. Like, it just, like, I just love, like, just the energy that they have just, like, jacks me up. I'm just like, let's do it. Like, let's just do it. Like, let's, I don't care what we're going to do. Well, let's just go do it. And so I loved hanging out with the, with the teenagers. And so when, when we were in the after-school program, okay, they would come in and they would, uh, they would put their bags down and they would line up in the classroom so that we could go get a snack. We always had a snack for them uh, before they started or before we went outside. Sometimes we did homework first, but it just kind of depended on the situation. And so they would line up. And so the thing is, in this classroom, when, when they would come in, they knew I created the expectation of you put your bag down and you come line up. And so I would, if this is the doorway, I would come and I would stand in the doorway and I would watch them put their stuff down. The like room was to this side. They would put their stuff down at their chair and they would come line up. And they knew that every time, every time that they came into the classroom, that they were supposed to do that. They were supposed to put their bag down, come line up. And once they were quiet, once they were quiet, we would go. I wouldn't say a word every time. I wouldn't say a word. I would just stand there, and I would watch them. I would just watch them. And so what they had to learn to do was to listen, to listen to, to what was going on in the classroom. Were they following the instruction? Were they paying attention? Were they hearing what I was trying to say even though I was saying nothing? Were they hearing the expectation that was placed on them that, hey, we're supposed to come in, do this, and then line up so that we can go get our snack, and then we can go outside, and we can have free time? I created that expectation. I created that expectation. And so it's so funny because that's the same thing that Moses is kind of explaining in Deuteronomy 28. 
of, hey, you need to hear and you need to understand, hey, if you do this, like if they understood that if, 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 if they came and they would line up and they did it quickly, they got to go get their snack first, which you know teenagers, they love to do everything first. Uh, they would go get their snack first, they'd get in the classroom, they'd be the first one outside. Like that was their thing. But if they weren't paying attention, if they weren't uh, meeting that expectation, if they weren't listening and responding to what I was uh, cultivating in the classroom, that they didn't get to go to, get outside first. They didn't get to get outside first. That was just kind of their, their thing. And so, like, if any of you have ever worked with kids, you kind of understand that. If you have kids, you probably really understand that. Uh, if you're about to have kids, you're going to understand it, So, <laughs> just so you know. But that was the thing is, like, they understood that they had to listen to the expectation and respond to it. And so again, in Deuteronomy 28, which is where we're going to be today, Moses is kind of explaining, again, this thing that he continues to repeat. It's like, hey, you need, to, you need to listen and respond. You need to hear and respond to what God wants you to do, which is be obedient. But, I always love when he throws in but. I always love because there's always, there's always that. He says, but if you're not, if you disobey, this happens. And so just like in my classroom where, where the, the kids knew, like, hey, if, if, if you are obedient, if you, if you do this, you get to do this. But, hey, if you're not, this is what happens. That's exactly what Moses goes through. And so there's, there's kind of a parallel, just so you know, in, in this scripture. There's kind of a parallel. Uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead in what I was going to say, but there's kind of a parallel in, in these two sections today. And you'll kind of see it as we keep going. But what I want you to really, really understand What I really, really want you to drive home, what I really want you to walk away with is understand that our response, the Israelites' response, our response, it reveals God's faithfulness. It reveals God's righteousness. So as we walk through the scripture, I want you to keep that idea in mind that the Israelites' response, our response, it reveals God's righteousness. When we make decisions, it's going to reveal God's righteousness in our life. And that may look like one or two ways. may look one or two ways, okay? And so that's what Moses is explaining in this process. And so we're going to start in Deuteronomy 28. So if you have your Bibles, if you have the Bible app, go ahead and open it to Deuteronomy 28. We're going to be starting in verse 1. Uh, We're going to read a section and we're going to go through it kind of verse by verse, maybe a little word by word. And then we're going to jump to another section in Deuteronomy 28. Uh, but I'll give you, give you guys just a second to get there. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And remember that in this, in this story, Moses, again, this is kind of the end of his, of his speech to the Israelites. This is, this is, he's concluding everything that he's saying. Is he's talking to this new generation of followers, this new generation of, of men and women, families that are putting their faith in, in God, the God of Israel, the God, the God that led them through the Exodus, the God that led them through the wilderness, the God that, that did all these things for their fathers, for their families in previous generations. Remember that, that he, he's, he's speaking to all these people, and so he's repeating himself so much because he's trying to get his point across. He's trying to get the point across that, hey, you need to be faithful. And so he does it a lot of different ways, but today we're going to see again that he's, he's, revealing, he's revealing that, hey, the decisions that you make, it's going to reveal God. And there are good consequences and there are bad consequences to it. There are good consequences and there are bad consequences. And Grayson, you're, prob- you're probably like, Grayson? What do you mean there's bad consequences? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what, that's what we're going to talk about. And so 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 1, uh, we're going to go ahead and read it. It says, Now if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I am giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above 
all the nations of the earth. Okay, so that, that, first, that first word, it says faithfully obey. It says faithfully obey. That, that is actually the same word that we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the word Shema. Okay, that means to hear and respond. And so Moses is saying, hey, if you hear and you respond to God, if, if, you, if you are faithful to what he is calling you to, if you are faithful to what he is calling you to, to just love him with all that you are, with all that you have, with your heart, with your soul, with your strength, inwardly and outwardly and doing it as much as you can, if you are faithful in that way, if you are careful to follow, that's the next thing that he says. If you are careful to follow all of his commands, the commands, that's, that's, that's their side of the covenant that God made with them. But the carefully, carefully follow, that's, that's just being watchful. And so Moses is saying, hey, if you hear and respond, if you, are, if, you watch, if you watch the way that you respond to God, if you watch the way that you keep your side of the covenant agreement, God is going to make you, he's going to make you far above all the other nations. He's going to put you far above all the other nations. And so the thing in the scripture is kind of like I said, as a parallel, there's two responses that we're going to see throughout scripture or throughout this scripture. We're going to see two responses and then two things that those responses reveal. Two things that those responses reveal. And then we're going to see one ultimate thing at the end. Okay, so just keep that in mind. So that's the first response. The first response is that, uh, they need to faithfully obey and caref- be careful to follow. They need to, to hear and respond. They need to hear and respond to God. Just like I was talking about with the kids in my classroom, they needed to hear and respond to the expectation that I created. You see, God, he's created an expectation for us too. But that expectation doesn't come with, I've got to do, do, do. No, that expectation comes with, hey, I've given you grace and mercy. I've given you Jesus, and you just, need to, you just need to cling to Jesus. You need to rest in the fact. You need to rest in his faithfulness, the fact that I have sent my son. You just need to rest in that fact. You need to hear and respond to the fact that I have sent my son to sanctify you, to save you, to, to bring you back to me. I have sent you. And so, hey, you just need to hear and respond to that. You need to be careful to follow it, careful to follow the standard that he has created, the standard that Jesus lived and so, so in, the, in the same way that Moses is painting this out for the Israelites, Jesus painted it out for us because Jesus came and he, and he fulfilled this, right? And so we see in verse 2, it says, all these blessings will come and overtake you. All these blessings will come and overtake you. This word overtake, it just, it means to literally like it will consume you. It will be so overwhelming that you won't understand it. You won't understand it. You won't perceive it. It's going to be so heavy. It's going to be so heavy that you're just, you're not even going to be able to really understand it. And the reason why, the reason why, because you obey the Lord your God. Because again, that obey, it's the same word. You hear and respond. You have heard and you have responded to who God is and what he has done for you, okay? The reason that it says the Lord our God is because again, it's referring to what Moses was talking about at the very end. He's bringing his conversation to a close, he, he, he's explaining, hey, I'm going back to what I said before, that you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You need, to, you need to love the God that brought you through the Red Sea, that brought you through the wilderness. You need to love the God that brought you through that hard season, that gave you manna from heaven, that gave you, that gave you quail, that gave you everything that you needed. You just need to love him. You just need to lean in. That's what you need to do. And it, his blessing will come and overtake you. It will be so wild that you won't even understand it. And Moses goes on, and he kind of lists out the blessings. 
And so in verse 3, it says, you will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. What Moses means with this is like, hey, you're going to be blessed wherever you go. And when it, when, it, when it says blessed wherever you go, it means, hey, God's presence is going to be with you. It's not just about, oh, kind of like how Isaac was talking about, like, it's not about, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be rich. What? I'm going to have a million dollars. I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to win $1.9 million. What? Like, how many of y'all bought a lottery ticket? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all bought a lottery ticket thinking, yeah, like God's going to bless me. Like, I, I've been faithful. I've been obedient. Like, God's going to bless me with this $1.9 million. Or $1.9 billion, I'm sorry. It's like, it's not about receiving money. It's not about having this, that, and the other, having a big home, driving a, a, a Tesla. I was about to say Prius. That ain't really it, but. <laughs> I mean, you can drive a Prius. There's nothing wrong with a Prius, but. Driving a Tesla or something like that, it's not about that. It's about the fact that the God who, again, who led you through the wilderness, that led you through the exodus, that led you through every season that was hard and difficult and was present with you all the time, that God is always going to be with you. You're going to be blessed in the city, and you're going to be blessed in the country. And then in verse 4, it says, Your offspring will be blessed, and your land's produce, and the offspring of your livestock, including the young Uh, of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. What this is saying is like, hey, the things that are going to provide for you, those things are going to be blessed. Do you know why? Because I'm providing for you. Because I have ultimate control over those things. Because I have providence over those things. God is saying through Moses, saying, hey, I have providence over those things. I am faithful over those things. I have been faithful before, and I will be faithful now. You just need to say yes and amen like we just sang just a few minutes ago. He's explaining again, like, all those things that you own, it's because of me. It's because of God. It's not because of you. It's not because of anything that you've done, but rather because I have been with you in the city and in the country, all the fights in the wilderness. I have been with you. And again, he hits on it in verse 6. He says, you will be blessed when you come in and when you go out. Again, he's emphasizing, hey, God's presence is going to be with you. God's presence is going to be with you. But what is the response? The response is that they have to be faithful. They have to faithfully obey God and reflect on who he is. And when, when they are faithful, when they are faithful, that will reveal God's righteousness. You see, in the section that's following this, the statement, I will or the Lord will, it's repeated seven times. The Lord repeats it seven times, and that's always something of emphasis. It's just a small detail, but it's always something of emphasis because, it's, again, it's God stating his promise to his people and emphasizing, hey, I have completed it already. I'm telling you that I'm going to do it. You just need to be faithful, and you just need to obey. You just need to obey, not because you got to do, do, do. No, it's because I've been faithful. You just need to love me. And it's the same way, okay, God sent Jesus, and we just need to be faithful to him. And that faithfulness, it looks like, hey, it looks like sacrificing. It looks like loving people. You see, you see God, Jesus, Jesus called us to do two things, to love, other, to love God and to love other people. And then he gave us one final commandment, which is to go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that he taught his disciples. He told us to do those three things. He wrapped those three things up and handed it to his disciples and said, hey, do this. Do this, and my people will know that you, that you are mine, that you carry my name, that you, carry, that you carry the gospel on your lips. 
And in the same way, in the same way, that's exactly what Moses is explaining to his people here, that if, if they just cling to being faithful, if they just cling to being in God's promises, if they, just, if they cling to it, if they just cling to it, that it will reveal God's righteousness. Because whenever God reveals how righteous he is, he's going to do it regardless. He's going to reveal his righteousness regardless. And so that's what actually happens in this next section. In this next section, so if you want to jump all the way to verse 15. Verse 15, the title for this section is The Curses of Disobedience. Curses for Disobedience. And like I said, God went through that, or Moses went through that last section again, explaining obedience, and so now this is the other side of the situation. It's like, hey, if you're disobedient, this is what's going to happen. In verse 15 it says, but if you do not obey... Again, that phrase, that do not obey, if you do not hear and respond, if you do not listen and respond, if you do not hear what I am trying to tell you, if you do not hear how faithful I've been, how, how much I've walked with you, how much I've loved you, how much I've given for you, if you do not hear that and you do not respond to it, it says uh, by carefully following, again, watching, watching the law, watching what they do, in response to the fact that God is faithful, if, 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 you, if you don't do those things, if you don't carefully follow those things, all these curses will come and overtake you. And so this word curses, all of us have probably heard it and probably like locked up a little bit. Because it's like, what do you mean a curse? Because like when I think of curse, I think kind of like I talked about last week. I think about Scooby-Doo. Like there's a curse on the museum or something. Like what, what, what does a curse mean? What is a curse? Well, a curse here. Again, it's the result of disobedience. It's the result of living in sin and selfishness. It's the result of not hearing and responding to God. It's not like God has just like cursed them and they're never gonna, they're ne- nothing's ever going to happen. No, it's, it's, it's brought on by sin. It's brought on the same way that Adam and Eve in the garden chose to, chose to eat of the apple. The same way that they chose that is the same way, hey, like, we have to choose obedience or disobedience. You see, again, God chose to send his son, right? That's one of the most famous verses that God chose to send his only begotten son, right? Like, think about that. It's like God chose. He chose to do that. And so in the same way, Moses is saying, hey, you've got a choice. You can be obedient or you can be disobedient. The result of, of obedience is blessing, but the result of disobedience is curse. It's a curse. And so this is that second response. That second response is, hey, you're not obeying. It's, that second response is disobedience. That first, that first response, it was obedience. That second response is disobedience. And this is, this is kind of the breakdown. So if we look in verse 16, it says, you will be cursed in the city and you will be cursed in the country. Again, it's a direct parallel. Hey, if, if you're not being obedient, if you're not hearing and responding, if you're not leaning into God's faithfulness and reflecting on how faithful he's been, you're not going to look for his presence in the city. You're not going to look for the presence wherever you're going because you're not looking for it. You weren't looking for it back then. It's like, if, if you're not leaning in and you're not paying attention, if you're not putting your glasses on, it's like, if I, if I take my glasses off, I can't see any of y'all's faces. I can't. I am blind. I am blind. Like, Isaac doesn't even look like Isaac right now. Like, I can't see him. But it's like, hey, if I, if I put on my glasses and I really pay attention to God's faithfulness, if, if I allow the detail to come out, being able to see the detail in what he's doing, blessing will come. But if I take my glasses off and I'm not paying attention to what God's doing, if I'm, if I'm not paying attention to how God's working, 
if I'm not looking for his faithfulness, faithfulness if I'm not reflecting on, his, on, on all that he has done, I'm leaning into sinfulness, I'm leaning into selfishness, and I'm trying to do it all on my own. And I'm not going to look for God's, God's presence. That's what he's talking about. Hey, you're going to be cursing the city, you're going to be cursing the country. You're going to be cursing the country, you're going to be cursing the city. It's because you're not looking for God's faithfulness. Again, in verse 17, it says, Your basket and your kneading bowl will be cursed. Again, this is, this is leaning into, hey, you're going to struggle to provide for yourself. You're going to struggle to have. You're going to struggle. Because, again, you're trying to do it all on your own. You're not leaning into my faithfulness. You're not leaning into God's faithfulness. You're trying to do it on your own. And then in verse, in verse 18, it says, Your offspring will be cursed, and the land's produce, and the, and the young of your herds, and the newborn of your flocks. He, again, it's a direct parallel. He's saying, hey, if you're disobedient, all these things that you have, you're not going to have. You're not going to have. Why? Because, because sin, because of selfishness, because you're trying to do it all on your own, because you're separated from me and you're not leaning into my faithfulness. You're not leaning into those things, guys. In verse 19, again, he, he reflects on the fact of you will be cursed when you come out. I'm sorry, when you come in and cursed when you go out. He leans into the presence again about the fact of, hey, wherever you go, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle because you're not paying attention to God's faithfulness. You're not, you're not paying attention to God's faithfulness. The way that we respond, the way that they responded to God, it revealed God's righteousness. And you say, well, how, does, how, is, how is a curse God's righteousness? Well, we talked about that last week. God's righteousness is his justice, and justice is making right that which is wrong. And so if his people are living in wrong standing with him, he's going to make it right. He did that in the 40 years in the wilderness. The 40 years that he led the people into the wilderness, the 40 years that he spent in the wilderness with the generation that chose not to go into the promised land, that chose not to listen to Caleb, to the fact that they should go up and take possession of the land before they could certainly do it, the generation that chose not to do that, God dealt with them in the 40 years in the wilderness, and you're like, well, then he just let them all die? No, God still loved and walked with them, and he still gave them everything that they needed. They didn't get to inherit the promised land, but his presence was still there. His presence was still there. You see, the Israelites clung to this idea of the promised land because they thought that that was what was going to provide for them, and that, will, that was what was going to do it for them, and that was all that they needed. They didn't need anything other than their own land. No, that's not the case. What they needed was the presence of the Lord. And that's what they kept forgetting. They kept forgetting the presence of the Lord. And so we see all throughout the Gospels that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're so concerned, they're so consumed by trying to maintain order, they're so afraid of the Roman control that they're not, they're not paying attention to the presence of the Lord that's literally right before them. God's faithfulness is right before them. Jesus Christ that was living in the flesh that had come from heaven to teach and to walk with his people, to do what we were supposed to do, which is to live in direct communion with people. To live in direct communion with people. Jesus came and he did that and he, he lived that life. He lived that perfect life. He, he listened to the law. He listened, he heard, and he responded to the Lord. And he revealed himself. God revealed himself so that we could be made righteous before him. Because it is only through the blood of Jesus on the cross that we're made righteous. Nothing that we can do will bring us any closer to God other than submitting ourselves to Jesus Christ. Submitting ourselves to the, to the fact that Jesus came and he, and he died for us. He sacrificed all that he was for us. And you see, that's the blessing. Jesus came and he lived out the blessing. 
He lived out the fact that God's presence was always with him and that everything that he had, everything that he possessed, it was what God gave him and that's all that he needed. He didn't need, he didn't need a Tesla. He didn't need, he didn't need 500 camels. He didn't need 500 horses. He didn't need all those things. No, what he needed, he needed to hear from his father. He needed to be faithful to his father and he knew that. He knew that he needed to respond that way. But you see, Jesus came to crush the curse of sin. Jesus came to crush that curse, to separate us from that curse that was laid there. He came, he came to sanctify us in that way. You see, because we're sinful, we always lean more into that disobedience than we do that obedience because we try to do things on our own. We don't rely on God's faithfulness. We don't rely on God's faithfulness. We try to do it on our own. I'm a victim of that. I try to do everything on my own. And it is a fight. It is a fight to be faithful. When I started following Jesus, just a quick story, when I started following Jesus and I was serving in ministry, serving in ministry for the first time at a church that I loved, I, I loved it. I loved everything about it. But what I didn't understand is that God had given me a call to preach. And what I didn't understand is that I wasn't leaning into that. But rather, I was leaning into the fact that I wanted to stand on a stage in front of people and talk about me. I didn't want to talk about the gospel. The reason that I didn't want to talk about the gospel is because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it fully. I didn't understand God's faithfulness. I wasn't leaning into God's faithfulness, but rather I was leaning into the fact of how hard could I work to prove that I have what it takes to be a leader how hard could I work? How early could I show up? Could I show up at 4.30 and unload this truck and show them that I'm a man and that I've got what it takes? Can I show up at 2.30 at this elementary school and, and take all this equipment off this truck and hopefully don't hurt myself in the process? Can I do all this? Yes, I can. I'm a college student. I got time. I'm a college student. I got time. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. I'm only 19. I can do this. I'm strong. I was way skinnier than I was now. I was only like 120 pounds then. Like, I was, I was skinny, guys. Like, but I thought, I thought that I could do it. I thought that if I did it, then it proved that I should get to do it. But in reality, the fact is, is like nothing, to, nothing proves that I should get to do it other than my obedience to the Lord and Him allowing me to do it. No work that I do allows me to do anything. It is only my faith. It is only the fact that I am justified by my faith. Like I talked about last week, Jesus justifies us through our faith. And that's what Moses, again, he is driving home is the way that we respond to God, to what he calls us to. The way that we respond, it reveals his righteousness. And his righteousness is the fact that God is always making it right. And he's always making it right. He's always making it right. He's always making it right. Can I ask you a question? Do you feel like God's always making it right? In your life? Do you feel like blessing is coming over you? Or do you feel like curse is coming, a curse is over you? Do you feel like you are connected to the Father or do you feel like you're separated from the Father? What are you leaning into? What are you, do you feel like the way that you're living your life is revealing God's righteousness? Do you feel like it's revealing God's faithfulness to other people? I asked you last week, church, like, how is your faith? I'm going to ask you the same thing. How is your faith? Are you leaning into your faith? Are you leaning into what you can do? I know I celebrated those things of the people that are, the 19 people that are discipling, the 11 people that are leaving, leading small groups, and the 37 people that are serving in the church. 
But you know what I want to celebrate? I want to celebrate everybody that, that is doing that, the fact that they have faith in the Father. Because it's not about those numbers. And you will probably only ever hear me celebrate those things one time a year. Because I want you to know them. Because I want you to know how faithful God's being to the church. Church, the same way that the Israelites were being told, hey, the way that you reveal, I'm sorry, the way that you respond reveals God's righteousness, the way that we respond to the gospel reveals God's righteousness. And unfortunately, there's, there's been a struggle. There's been a struggle, and I even see this in my own day-to-day life, that we, we as Christians, we, we, we face this... Uh, stereotype that, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm kind of scared to tell them that I'm a Christian because then they, like, they might think that I'm, I'm supposed to be perfect. No. That's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian, I was literally just talking about that this week. Being a Christian is fully denying who you are and fully accepting who Christ is. Fully stepping into the blessing that Christ is and denying the curse, the curses that you carry, your past, your brokenness, your sinfulness, denying those things, not ignoring it, but denying it and saying, hey, I'm leaving that behind and I'm going to come live in the blessing that is Jesus. That's what being a Christian is. That's what having faith is. That's what revealing, that's what revealing Christ is. It's saying, hey, I'm dying to myself and I am living in this. I am living in this obedience. I've told some people this. I wanted to be an architect. I took every class in high school. I applied to Clemson and its bridge program. I applied, applied to USC and their bridge programs, even Midlands Tech. Some of you guys maybe, not know, maybe don't know what that is, but it's a joke. <laughs> Like, it really is. Like, anybody from my hometown would have probably just busted out laughing at that. But, uh, like, I applied to all these programs. I took every class. I, I was doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. And then Lord called me into ministry, and I was trying to ignore it because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was ignoring his faithfulness, and I was trying to do. I didn't want to deny myself. But I still knew God said that, so I probably should do something about it. So I applied to go to SMC, Spartanburg Methodist College, 10 minutes from here. I didn't get accepted into any other college except for SMC. And I remember sitting in our bonus room, literally playing video games, <laughs> playing video games, sitting in my bonus room and saying, okay, God, you want me to do it, I'll do it. But if I don't like it, I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do. If I get there and I go through this, and, and I, I'm going to do what I want to do. You see God's faithfulness, the blessing of Jesus, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of living in his Holy Spirit and walking, through, walking with him and going through Scripture. It revealed to me that that was way better than anything else I could do. I struggled with it because I was trying to do, do, do. I didn't understand what it meant to follow Jesus entirely. It took several years for me because I didn't have discipleship. Not a lot of it, at least. I didn't have people around me. I didn't have a small group at all. It wasn't until I came to this church. It wasn't. 
I was, lean, I was not leaning in to God's faithfulness, but rather what I could do. But there was a quick moment at the beginning of my faith where I said, okay, God. You see, that's faith is where we say, okay, God. Okay, I see what you're trying to do. I see what you're working out. I see the way that you're working. And I see the way that you've worked in the past. I see what you're doing. Okay, I'll listen. I'll respond to it. Church, how is your faith? Are you listening? Are you hearing and responding to Jesus throughout the week? Not just on a Sunday. If Sunday is the only day that you are responding to Jesus, we need to talk. Because that's not an obedient life. That's not an obedient life. Faith is not just Sunday. Faith is every other day of the week. It starts really on your Monday morning, the way you get up and the way that you approach the week. And so my challenge for you, church, I want you to spend time, I want you to spend time really reflecting and really listening for the Lord. Of God, what are you trying to do in my life? What are you trying to work out? Where are you trying to take me? What, what are you doing? Because I don't understand it, but I want to listen. Sit. Turn the music off in your car and ask him that. And then be quiet. Just listen. Open up a section in your closet, a space for you to pray. A, a space for you to talk to the Lord. Some of y'all might think that's crazy, but no. Believe it or not, it, it really is, it can be restful. Or just having a space that you go to whenever you want to pray. Spend time in silence and solitude. Spend time praying, processing, praising the Lord for what he's doing. Talk to people. But I just want to challenge you, church. Reflect on your faith. Reflect on how you are hearing and responding. Because Jesus came and he died so that we could hear and respond to God and his faithfulness. He broke those cultural barriers. He broke all the barriers that we as sinful people have built up so that we could sit here today and sing to him and walk in obedience with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your blessing. That is Jesus. Thank you so much for the way that you, you sent him and he lived an obedient life with you, Father. That he heard and, and he responded to who you are and the, and the way that you wanted to work in your people, the way that you wanted to work in us because you foreknew us. You foresaw us. You understood us. You knew everything about us, every detail. Father, thank you for that. Allow us to rest in your faithfulness. To rest in the gospel. The sacrifice that you've given us. We are so thankful for it, Father. Thank you for listening this week. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and upcoming events, check out our website at idclifton.com. Again, Thank you for listening to the ID Clifton podcast and remember love God 
and love others. See you next week.